Hello, Bethel's Rock Online. It's so good to be with you right now. We're in the middle of a series called Divine Encounters, and we're pulling out of the great cloud of witnesses that we find in Hebrews, uh, different people that have been an incredible example to all of us. The one I want to pull out today is someone who is not only an inspiration for us in the 21st century, but she was a, an inspiration for many in the Bible. Many in the Bible looked at her and, and experienced uh, things in their life because of what God did in her life. And so I want to take a look at that. Turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. Let us run with perseverance. Oh, man. That's the part that I think is awfully difficult in my life. I don't know about you, but I hate waiting, especially when you make up your mind that you want to buy something. I'm the kind of person that takes like 10 years to figure out if I want to buy it. And then when I buy it, I want it right now. I'm going to like work and work and work uh, to determine whether I want it. And then I, when, I, when I finally decide I want it, we got to make it happen instantly. You know, the Bible says that we need to run our race with perseverance. And that's what Sarah had to do. And I want to take a look at her life because life is not easy. There are times when we wonder, will I actually make a difference? Can I impact the world in which I'm living? And, and if we're a part of religion, religion doesn't impact the world. The religion of Christianity is impotent. It, it has no impact. It really is probably more demonic than it is helpful for people. And we don't want to get entangled in religion. Your relationship with God will bring life into the world. Not your skills, not your talents, not your intelligence, and not your resources. And the Bible says that we're to run with perseverance because we have a hope. Like, we're running, and sometimes we can't always see the impact we're making. And we're running, and sometimes we can't really see the influence that we're having in the lives of people. Because uh, while we're running, it's hard and we got our head down and we don't always notice what's going on around us, but we don't always see what is taking place around us. And the Bible's very clear that because of that, we need to run with perseverance, knowing that there is a day that will come when we will actually see the fruit of all that we've done. So I want to say, hang in there. It may take a while. No one likes to hear that. No one really likes to hear these words. Be patient. Uh, I mean, when you heard that, didn't that make you shiver a little? I just kind of, I don't like that. You know, I'm re I was reminded of, of a time when I was in my car uh, talking to a, one of my contemporary heroes of the faith and a pastor of many, many years, Larry Stockstill. And I was complaining about something and he said this to me and these words really stuck with me. He said, James, I think you have a problem with patience because you don't trust God because you are afraid nothing's going to change. Boy, isn't that the truth? I think sometimes we just get so worked up. We get so busy. We just, we're working, working, working because we're afraid that that God can't actually keep his promises on his own. Like God makes a promise and we almost think that that's like his permission to us to go and do something rather than it's his word to us to fulfill something in our life. 
like we do it with God. And we don't have to get all worked up. We don't have to get all crazy. We don't have to run all over the world trying to make God's promise come true. Rather, we run a race with perseverance, with patience, knowing that God is already working that promise out in our life. So Sarah, she's a perfect example of that. If, if you've read the Bible at all, you'll remember the story of Abraham and Sarah. And it's really this thing. It's like to be or not to be. That is the question. And she had a promise. And would it happen or wouldn't it happen? And she wasn't seeing the promise fulfilled. And I'm sure many of you can relate with her. You feel like God's word is clear. He's spoken some things to you. You say, I have some promises. I have no problem seeing that that they are there, but truthfully right now, they're just not happening. And I'm having a hard time seeing how they could happen. You know, like the longer it takes, it just doesn't seem possible. I'm looking at my kids and my marriage, my business, my finances, even my health, and it feels like it's even going in the opposite direction. And Sarah and Abraham, I think, could help us today because they experienced the same thing. Let's go to Genesis 15, 1 through 6. It says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. You know, I love that. Because sometimes when God gives us a word or a promise, it freaks us out. Like, it just flat freaks us out. Sometimes it's so big and overwhelming that we get afraid, like we almost, we're like, I can't do that. I can't go there. And, and it's, what I love about God is he's like, listen, I know this is a lot, but I don't want you to be afraid. And I don't want you to be afraid of me. Not everything God asks you is going to be easily accepted. It's a process and it can cause you to be afraid sometimes. It goes on, it says, I am your shield, your very great reward. Now, I, I want you to see this because this is really funny actually. He says, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? <laughs> it, he just said, I give you me. Ta-da, here I am. Happy birthday to you. I am your very great reward. I give you me. And Abraham says, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me? I, I think God's sitting there going, you have me. What else do you need? But Abraham is so focused on what he doesn't have that he doesn't really recognize what he does have. He says this, since I'm childless and childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus, uh, Abraham's response is, what can you give me more than you? Because God wasn't enough. I think before we get too carried away, in, in every situation, I think God's wondering, even in those promises that he's promised to give us, I was wondering if he's enough. Like, is God enough for you? Now, I don't want to say God isn't going to fill, uh, fulfill promises in your life because he's going to fulfill the promises in your life. But while you're waiting, is God enough? Like, is it enough to just have God it goes on and Abraham says, you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him and, the, and he said this, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. 
Now, this promise was given to Abraham 25 years before it actually happened. At this point, Abraham and Sarah had childbearing capacity, yet God waits until their childbearing capacity is shut down. Now, that, that's strange because you wonder, why would God do that? I mean, why would God wait? I'm telling you, God has a reason for everything, and it's important to get familiar with that if you're going to be a follower of Christ. You have to learn to live in the rhythm of God and not try to fit God in your rhythm. He goes on and he says, he took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. <laughs> and then I love this. He says, if you can. Uh, he, he's like, look at the sky. If you can count all the stars, then you'll know the number of your inheritance. So shall be your offspring. Abraham believed the Lord and it was credited to him as righteousness. Why? Because he believed the Lord. That's why Abraham made the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Faith. He made it because he believed the impossible in his life. There are things God has promised you. They're impossible. Like you can't even see how it's possible. You can't even put the factors together. You don't even know where the pieces are coming from. I'm here to tell you, all God's asking you to do is only believe. Only believe and use your mouth to come into agreement with his promise. That's what Abraham did. He said, I'm going to have a child. I'm going to have a son. He believed. Now, for when you can't understand God and impatience threatens to overwhelm you, when you can't and it threatens over, Sarah would tell you something, and I want to take a look at that. This is what she would tell you. A moment of patience can save you a lifetime of regret. Ask Ask Saul about it. Saul could not wait for the prophet to come. He decided to take matters into his own hand, and God stopped covering him as king. It's an incredible story of someone who was not patient to trust God that he would come through in his timing. Now, how many of you at 15, year old, 15 years old had someone you wanted to marry? You wanted to marry them at 15, and now you've gone to Facebook, and you're praising God that you never did. Like, you're like, God, please give me this person. Work it out. And now you're like, God, thank you for not giving me that person. You know, you look at it. It's easy to look back from 25 years later and be like, God, I'm sure glad you didn't answer that prayer. At 15, you were fussing at God for not making something happen. When God won't do something, we get tempted to do something. We get tempted to work in our own means. This is a, a, a word, a, a phrase that you want to put somewhere. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. Don't complicate God's promise with your solution. If you know anything about the story of Sarah, she basically takes matters into her own hands and messes things up. I want to tell you, we need to trust God. We really do. Even if it takes a long time, God is notorious, notoriously slow in our understanding. We don't like it. You know, there's a story of a conversation of a man had with God and God, he said, God, what is a million years like to you? And God said, it's like about a second. And he said, God, what's a million dollars like to you? And God said, that it's like about a, just like a penny. He said, God, can I have a penny? And God said, sure. 
in just a second. You know, the, the reality is, is God's timing isn't our timing. Like God doesn't have a beginning and he doesn't have an end. We have a beginning. And quite frankly, we don't have an end. That's why we're talking and getting to know God, because we're going to live forever. It goes on in Genesis 16, verse 1. It says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. This is what happens when we get impatient. We get bad theology. The first thing Sarah did was she got bad theology. The Lord has uh, shut up my womb. You start thinking some crazy stuff like blaming God for why things aren't happening in your life. And she conjures up the solution that Abraham should go sleep with his maidservant. This is what she says. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. And Abraham agreed to what Sarai said. Now, First of all, this is like all messed up. And we're talking about the Bible. We're not like talking about the Vegas housewives on TV here. I mean, Sarah is so desperate and not willing to trust God and wait with patience that she, and, and she believes that somehow if I give you another woman, one of my maidservants, then, then when she has that child, that that child is going to be my child. I mean, anyone knows that when that woman has that child, that child is never going to be Sarah's child. And indeed, it wasn't Sarah's child. But you got to stop and say, Abram, what in God's name were you thinking? This boy has some serious issues. He lets Pharaoh take his wife into his house. He, he goes and, and enters into... Uh, has a child out of wedlock with one of his servants. I mean, it's craziness. And then Ishmael is born, and we still see the effects of all of that today because the Arab nations really come from the lineage of Ishmael. And so because Sarah would not wait, we are still dealing with the uh, intensity of relationship and fracture of relationship between the sons of Israel and the sons of Ishmael. And we still experience that conflict today because Sarah said, go sleep with my, my handmaiden, crazy stuff. Here's another thing. We need to trust God even when it seems ridiculous. This is the part of God we need to get comfortable with. We limit God within the systems that we think and live. God doesn't live there. He lives outside of that. He's limitless. And I think people want a nicely packaged Christianity faith, something normal. And your normal is going to get messed up when you encounter God. Honestly, the truth is we are the ones that are not normal. The Bible says man's wisdom is foolishness in the sight of God. God uses what we think is foolishness to confound the wise. It's not normal to raise the dead. It is not normal to see miracles. It's not normal to see someone instantly delivered from addiction. It's not normal for people to change instantly. It's not normal to give away your money and see your, it increase in your life. It is not normal to leave a legacy that impacts the future. It's not normal that someone instantly becomes a different person. That's not normal. That's super natural, super normal. If you're searching for normal Christianity, you're moving, moving further away from a miracle-working God. 
As followers of Jesus, you have to be careful with being uncomfortable with the absurd. I ain't doing that. No way I'm going to tell someone about Jesus. I'm not going to listen to the Bible. I'm not going to forgive them. You know, it may seem absurd, but if you're going to draw closer to Christ, you're going to have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. You're going to have to get to a place where, where your comfort isn't your main concern. Be careful what you mock. And there's so many people that mock things they don't understand, things that are often a fruit of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be careful. If you see something you don't understand it, don't, don't mock it. Every Christian needs to take a step toward things that make us feel uncomfortable. Get a little praise in your, in your foot when you hear the worship. You know, let it work its way up. Get those arms apart. You know, in Genesis 18, 10 through 14, it says, Then the Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind them, and Abraham and Sarah were already old and well advanced in years. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. God had waited until the end. And then Sarah laughed to herself as she thought. Now, this isn't just... Uh, a normal laugh. This is a laugh like, oh yeah, right. After I'm worn out, my master's old, well, I now have this pleasure. Then the Lord said to Abraham, and I think this is the Lord saying, what's her problem? Why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. I think God was a little frustrated with her because he's God. He's like, I'm God, and, and I can do what I'm going to tell you to do and ask you to do. Next, we have to trust God, even if those around you don't. The devil's going to make sure to put naysayers in your life. Uh, you know, one of the concerns I have for this generation, and that's all of us uh, that are listening to this, is the incredible number of voices we listen to, often with no filter of credibility. Voices through blogs and commentaries, social media. There are so many voices we give access to that they impact what we believe. There are so many voices uh, that are literally imparting into us things that are lies and not truth. And it's so hard at times to discern what is true and what is, appears to be true. Um, and many times our beliefs are being shaped by ungodly people, even bots uh, that are created to get us to think in a certain way. Be careful that you're not being manipulated by evil forces. Um, in Genesis 21, 6 through 7, it says that Sarah said, God has brought me laughter and everyone who hears about this will laugh with me. And she added, who will have who have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. You know, a lot of people would have laughed when they found out Sarah was pregnant. I mean, if you're Sarah's age right now, in your 90s and hitting your 100s, I think you're probably sitting there going, I'd, I don't know that I'd be laughing. I think it'd be a laughter cry. Like, are you kidding me? But, but God knew exactly what he was doing. And Sarah's solution was this poor substitute for God's promise. Yet she spends most of her life doubting God and still ends up in the hall of faith. That's what's so incredible. You know, Sarah's words of encouragement, I think if she were to step out of the great cloud of witnesses, she would say this, 
Hebrews 11.11 says, And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful, who had made the promise. Boy, you know, no one likes broken promises. I remember when I was a kid and my dad promised that I was going to get a bike and something happened and I didn't get it. And it created something in me because, man, you don't want to count your eggs before the hatch. That was this great, I got I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't know. I'd rather get my hopes down and hope it happens than to get my hopes up and have them crashing down. You know, and the Bible is completely opposite to that. We're not putting our faith in someone who's not able and willing to fulfill his promises. In fact, he says he will, and he's never failed to do that. So if Sarah were to come out of the crowd, I think she would say, don't try to get ahead of God when he's moving, not moving fast enough for you. Don't try to get ahead of them. You know, I'm a type A personality, so I struggle with being patient. I like to get things done. I like, I like them done yesterday. And we need to be careful that we don't make decisions that we ultimately regret. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. I love this. He is patient. So if I'm going to be like God, I need to be patient. So you ask the question, what do I do in the meantime? It feels like we're kind of stuck sometimes while we're waiting. It can even at times feel like we're going the opposite direction. So why wait if we're going to go the opposite direction? The secret of patience is, is doing something else in the meantime. This will work every time. Psalms 37, 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for Him to act. So he's saying wait patiently. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Don't worry about it. Just slow down. Here's the thing I want you to get. While you're waiting, be still. Be still and know that God is working it out. You don't have to work it out. Do 10 minutes a day with God. I, I think um, you, you, you say, well, I'm not a believer. I'm just watching this because I happen to see it. Listen, you, you don't even just 10 days just talk to God as if he's in the room for 10 days. Just share everything you want to share with God. It will change your life. It will completely change your situation. Shut down access to the voices on social media all around you. I know many people are addicted to it and it acts like a drug. You can't give it up. But your mental health will be so much better if you're not listening to all that junk the world is spewing out of their mouth trying to put into your mind. God is not nervous about what's going on. God is going to work out. He is not impeded by the world. Here's the second thing I think Sarah would tell us is encouragement. When you must wait, focus on what's happening in you, not what's happening to you. When something is happening to you, you can be assured God wants to do something in you. Something is happening to you. You go, yep. Lord, help. God says, great, let's learn something along the way. And, and we're often like, well, no, how about you just fix this? And God is thinking, well, I kind of want you to grow up. And you're thinking, I'm content to go to heaven dumber than a stump. You know, I'm, I, I don't know that I want to grow up. I, I think I'd just rather stay here. John Maxwell said this, he said, God is more interested in your character than your comfort. I didn't consider my kids' desire for comfort when they would wake up for school. You know, when I went in there, I'd go in there and they'd say, wake up, it's time for school. 
and they, they would say, I don't want to go to school today. Well, I just want you to be happy, so go ahead, sleep in. Maybe you'll go tomorrow. No, I created pain for their future purpose. I said, get yourself out of bed. You should have went to bed earlier last night. I, I didn't let them sleep in. I didn't let them be comfortable because I love them. I was going to put them in the position to grow and mature. You know, in pregnancy, you, you actually have to push through the pain because something good is on the other side. Romans 8, 24 through 25 says, that is why waiting does not diminish any more than waiting diminishes a pregnant mother. We are enlarged in the waiting. We, of course, don't see what is enlarging us, but the longer we wait, the larger we become. Now, I wouldn't tell someone who's pregnant that. That might get you in trouble. But, and the more joyful our expectancy, that, that the longer you wait, the more excited you get. The longer you wait, the closer you are delivering, the more painful it becomes, but there's an expectancy, there's a hope, there's a birthing that you know will come. Patience isn't the ability to wait, but how you act while you're waiting. God wants, you to, wants to work in you. While you're waiting for the right person to marry, let God prepare you for that marriage. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I want to tell you there are a lot of people who have persevered and were patient, patient in their life, and now they're not lacking anything. They're mature and complete because God did complete his good work in them. Sarah would come out of the third thing that Sarah would tell us is even our very best can't possibly care, compare to anything God has in mind. Many times we think that we can handle our lives better than God can. Isn't that the truth? We do it all the time. Even if you're a believer, you do it all the time. There are times where we just like, yeah, I know God told me to do that. I know God told me to tithe, but I'm not going to tithe. I know God told me to forgive, but I'm not going to forgive. I know God told me to uh, uh, love my enemies, but I, I don't think I'm going to love my enemies. Usually when I do it my way, it ends up hurting other people. Hagar was affected negatively by Sarah's decision. There were thousands of people that were affected negatively because of the decision Sarah made because she felt like she could figure it out because she didn't think God was working. You see, she would tell us, when you do it God's way, people around you are blessed. Isaiah 64.4 says, Since before time began, no one has ever imagined, no ear has heard, no eye has seen, a God like you who works for those who wait for him, who wait for him. You haven't even conceived the plans that God has for you. God has a much better plan for your life than you have for yourself if you're willing to wait for it. Now, I know it's hard to wait. I know it's hard to wait. And wherever you're at right now, I know there, man, you, you feel like you've been waiting forever. Some would say, I've been waiting a decade for my marriage to get better. I've been waiting for 20 years to find someone that God would give me to marry. And I've been waiting for 10 years to get out of this financial situation. We've been waiting for this healing. We've been waiting and waiting. God, if God has spoken to you and given you a promise, God will fulfill the promise. Don't get in his way. Don't, don't, don't try to figure it out yourself. Your role is really to be patient 
and allow God to fulfill it in your life. Father, right now, I pray for those who are just struggling with patience. I pray for myself as this is something that I struggle with it as well. Lord, your word is very clear that we can get in your way. And when we do, we, those decisions can hurt people around us. We don't want to do that. So, Lord, I pray that you would enable us by your spirit, enable those watching by your spirit to be patient, to wait with hope, expectancy. Lord, I pray that you would renew their hope, renew their mind, even now, Lord God, that you will be faithful. You will be faithful to accomplish the promise, the words you've given them. Uh, I, right now, if you're watching, I'm just going to ask that you reach out your hand and say, you know what, I believe that. Maybe you've never met or been in, introduced to Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus loves every single person, even the worst person that has ever lived. And if you're watching this right now, it is not difficult to become a believer. You know why? Because God wanted every single person to have the ability to believe. See, every person can believe. You can believe. And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, you shall be eternally saved. You shall have life in eternity in heaven. I want to encourage you today. If you've never considered that, may the Holy Spirit begin communicating to you. If, you, if your mind starts bringing up thoughts or you, you're starting to think things through and you know it's not coming out of your mind, I want to encourage you to just listen to those words today that the Lord is speaking to you because God loves you. God wants to come into your life. He wants to be a savior in your life. He wants to be a redeemer to take away your guilt and your shame and to give you abundant life. Take away your death and give you abundant life. So today, I want to encourage you. All you have to do is say, I believe. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. And then what I encourage you to do is contact our campus pastor online, Alex Preston, Pastor Alex Preston, and you let him know that you made that decision. Because when you do that, you need people that you can confess to that you've made a decision to follow Jesus. That's it. We're not going to ask all of the things you've done. If you believe in your heart, Jesus, the blood of Jesus has washed away all of your sins. There is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The first step for making that decision is just simply contacting uh, someone, contacting Pastor Alex or pastor that you know and confessing that you now are a believer in Jesus Christ. And the word, the promise, that great promise, in fact, the greatest of all the promises will be fulfilled in your life. God bless you and have an incredible day.